So when I was a little guy, um, I remember being in church. Uh, I grew up in church, did the whole church thing, Sunday school every week, um, uh, sitting through the services, youth group, everything. I've been in church basically my whole life except this cloudy period in college that we won't talk about. Um, but when I was growing up and, and going to church, uh, we learned a song. Uh, when I was just a little Sean, uh, we learned a song. And, and maybe you know it, maybe you learned it, maybe you remember this song. I'd like to sing it uh, with you now. Um, and, and so this might be a little scary, uh, uh, and it might be a little frightening, but you probably know the song. And if you don't, you'll, you'll pick up on it really quick. Uh, it's a, co- a song called Jesus Loves Me. Would you, would you sing that with me? I, we'll have the words on the screen and everything. So here we go. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so, little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Doesn't that feel good? I know that feel nice. It's like, wow. Takes you back in time, takes you back in history. It's like, wow. And being a little kid, you feel like you're six years old again. <laughs> you know, I love that line in there that says, um, excuse me, I get emotional. Uh, especially the line that says, you know, little ones to him belong. Uh, they are weak, but he is strong. You know, we uh, live in a world that does not appreciate weakness. And does not admit weakness. You know, and I know my own self. I know my own failures and my faults uh, where I am weak. You know, and I know that I am weak. But I know that he is strong. That even in my weakness, that's when Jesus comes alongside me. And he makes me strong. Now, like I said, we live in a world that does not appreciate weakness. The 98-pound weakling gets sand kicked in his face at the beach every day. You know, we, we do not like weakness. You know, we join gyms, right? We join Planet Fitness uh, in order to get stronger. You know, nobody joins a gym to get weaker. Um, they don't. You know, it's like, I, I got to get stronger, so I'm going to join Planet Fitness. I was this close to rejoining Planet Fitness this week. You know, oh, I know, right? And so they had a special offer that, that went through Friday, and the special offer was that you could join for $1.00. And ten dollars a month, with no commitment, like no monthly, no. So not like a year contract. You can quit any time. And I almost hit. I had all my information entered. I'm like, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna join the gym. I'm gonna be serious about it this time. I'm gonna lose this. I'm gonna get stronger here. You know, I'm gonna do it. And I almost hit submit. And I thought, you know what? I've done this before. I've said, I'm going to do this, and I'll go for two weeks, and that's it. <laughs> How many of you have ever done that? Oh, yes, yes. I heard a comedian once call it his $10 a month fat tax, and, uh, you know, so <laughs> right there, right there, and, and so I did not join. I did not join Planet Fitness, and then I woke up the next day to an email that said, sale extended one day. No! What are you doing to me, Planet Fitness? Still didn't join. <laughs> going to be content and uh, going to learn to walk on the street instead of on a treadmill. Um, 
But yeah, we don't appreciate weakness. We don't like weak things. We don't like weakness in ourselves. We don't like weakness in others. You know, and we don't like being told no. We don't like being told no. No is a sign of weakness. You know, if you just accept it when somebody says no to you, that's just a sign of weakness. We don't like it when people tell us no. We don't like it from the time we're little kids. Can I have a cookie? No. Wah! Right? And they throw a tantrum on the floor. You know, can I go, can I look at the toys? No. And then it's tantrum in the middle of Walmart. You've seen it before. Your kids never did that, right? Oh, no. We don't like being told no. We don't like when somebody says, no, you can't do this. Oh, I'll show you that I can do it. I'll pull myself up by my bootstraps. I'll join Planet Fitness and I will do this. We don't like it when people say no. We don't like it when God says no. And let's face it, sometimes God says no. We'll pray about something. We'll pray and pray and pray and pray. And the answer is not yes. At least not yet. And so sometimes the answer is no. Sometimes the answer is not yet. Sometimes the answer is wait. But sometimes the answer is just no. And we turn into little kids with God and we throw a temper tantrum and say, why God, why can't I have this? Or why, not, why can't I have this now? Why can't I have this healing now? Why can't I have this financial, uh, you know, uh, this financial blessing now? Why can't I have this job now? And we were like little kids with God. I want it right now. Why can't this relationship be fixed now? And God says, no. Or God says, not yet. We're going to look at a story from the Bible today that we really don't have a lot of answers about. But we're going to talk about someone to whom God said no. And that's hard. Sometimes we look at prayer and we look at God like a, like a genie in a lamp. I'm just going to rub the lamp. God's going to pop out like Robin Williams in the Aladdin. And he's going to give me whatever I want. That's not how prayer works. Sometimes the answer is no. We're going to talk about that today. We're going to finish up our series today called Even If. If you haven't been here before, we've been going through a series for the last six, seven weeks called Even If. And we've looked at situations and stories where uh, God didn't quite do uh, what the person wanted him to do. And God did something different. And yet the person, it may have been Abraham or Job or even Jesus, said even if you don't do what I want you to do, God, I will still honor you, praise you, and obey you. And so today we're going to talk about grace. And we're going to talk about how we can trust God's grace even if he says no. Uh, if you brought a Bible... Great, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And we're in 2 Corinthians 12, 1 through 10 today. And we're going to look at this passage. If you didn't bring a Bible, you can grab one out of the chair in front of you. It's on page 822. And what we're going to talk about is this story where maybe you've heard of it, where Paul talks about his quote-unquote thorn in the flesh. And we're going to talk about a little bit about what that means, although scholars aren't really sure what it means. And this passage of Scripture, this 2 Corinthians 12, 1 through 10, is really kind of murky. Uh, it's really kind of hard to know what he's talking about. There's all kinds of things he talks about that it's like, 
I have no idea what he's talking about. Scholars are very divided, and, and there's a lot of opinions about what Paul may have been talking about, but they're really not sure. But this we know, that something happened in Paul's life, and he had this, quote-unquote, thorn in the flesh, and he pleaded with Jesus three times to take it away from him, and Jesus said no. Now, if to anybody that Jesus would say yes to, you would think it would be the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, his name used to be Saul, and he was a Jewish zealot, a Pharisee, someone who was so passionate about God and about his law and his word uh, that he believed that Christians uh, needed to be persecuted, imprisoned, and put to death. And that's what he did. Like he was Jesus' number enemy, number one enemy. He was like Christian enemy number one. And people were terrified of Saul as he was going around and throwing Christians in prison and putting them to death and overseeing their deaths. Until one day, G, uh, Paul was, uh, Saul was on a, uh, going to Damascus with orders to put more Christians in prison. And Jesus appeared to him and called him into his service. And, and that's when he became Paul. And he became an apostle. Now, an apostle, if you don't know what an apostle is, is someone who had a face-to-face encounter with Jesus and are, were called into ministry to serve Jesus in a specific way. And Paul was called to be the apostle or the servant of the Gentiles. He was going to serve Jesus by going to the Gentile people and sharing the story of Jesus with them. So Paul goes from being Jesus' number one enemy to being his number one cheerleader. Paul was a type A driven personality and he started lots and lots of churches including the church at Corinth. And Corinth uh, was in what is modern day Greece. It wasn't too far from Athens actually. And it was a major, major city. Now like most major cities there were lots of issues going on in Corinth. There was a lot of immorality and a lot of idolatry going on in Corinth. And that moved over and bled over into the church as well. And the church at Corinth had a lot of immorality and a lot of idolatry going on there. And so Paul wrote them a letter that, by the way, has lost. The book of 1 Corinthians, the, the letter of 1 Corinthians, is actually the second letter he sent them. So we, we, they don't know what happened to the first letter, but he sent them a letter addressing their issues. And then he sent a second letter, which we know as 1 Corinthians, addressing more issues. And the people responded favorably to that letter. Well, most of them, not all of them. So he wrote them a third letter. Again, that letter is also lost. And then he wrote them a fourth letter, and that's the book of 2 Corinthians. And so that's the fourth letter Paul sent them. And again, he addresses a lot of the issues going on in Corinth. He applauds them for the ones who responded favorably to to his other letters. But he had to defend himself against false teachers and people who were accusing him of being a false teacher, saying he was a false apostle. And so he had to defend his apostleship. He had to defend the fact that Jesus called him into his service. And so we get to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And Paul's been defending himself, and, and he's, he was a very humble man. He didn't boast about himself. He didn't brag about himself and all the qualifications he had for being an apostle. But when they forced his hand, he had to. And so he starts bragging and boasting about all the things that he had done for Jesus. And in 2 Corinthians 11, we read about how he had been shipwrecked, uh, he had been flogged, uh, he had been beaten with rods and sticks, uh, he had been stoned to death and was on the verge of dying. 
All of this because he loved Jesus and served Jesus. The Jews persecuted him uh, severely. And, and so he boasts about these things just so you guys know, so the Corinthians know that I'm the real deal. And you should listen to me and not call into question my apostleship or my authority uh, as an apostle of Jesus. And then we get to 2 Corinthians 12, which we're at today. Like I said, if you brought a Bible, great. And uh, if not, you can use the one in the chair in front of you, page 822, or the words will be up here on the screen. And I want to look at these in, in two pieces, this passage in two pieces. Paul says, I must go on boasting, although there is nothing to be gained. I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. If you come up to me after service today and say, Sean, what is the third heaven? I will look at you like you have a third eye coming out of your head because I don't know. Uh, scholars are very divided. There's a lot of opinions on what third heaven means uh, and, and what Paul's talking about here. We don't know. But Paul had this vision, and, and it was Paul. He says, I know a man, but he's referring to himself in the third person. I know a man who had, who, uh, in Christ, who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise. He heard inexpressible things, things that man is not permitted to tell. I will boast about a man like that, but I will not boast about myself except by my weaknesses. Even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool, because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain so that no one will think more of me than is warranted by, why, by what I do or say. And so Paul has this incredible vision. And he's caught up to this place, the third heaven. He's, he's in paradise. What would that be like? How would you be able to come back? You know, how would you be able to come back and, and settle for this when you've seen the things of heaven and seen the things of paradise? He says, I, I saw things, I heard things that I can't, I'm not even allowed to talk about. What was that like? You know, and how do you keep from talking about it? And so Paul goes up uh, and uh, he has this incredible vision. And, and you would think that Paul would have even more reason to boast. You think you're good? You think you got it all together? Seen heaven, baby. I got it together. I mean, Jesus let me see heaven. But he says, I will not boast about myself. I will not boast about my qualifications. I will not boast about why Jesus chose me to have this vision. I will not boast about why Jesus chose me to experience this revelation. Instead, he says, look at verses 7 through 10. He says, to keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. And so what he is saying is that right after I had these visions, right after I had this revelation, God allowed Satan to torment me so I would not become conceited in myself that I was so qualified to have this vision, this experience, this revelation of heaven that I wouldn't uh, become conceited because of that. And so I have this, this messenger of Satan, this tormenting uh, thorn in the flesh that was given to me. Look at verse 8. Three times I pleaded with the Lord. Now when he says the Lord, he's talking about Jesus. Three times I pleaded with Jesus to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Paul then says, therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am what? Strong. 
Paul says, I'm not going to boast about myself. And I'm not going to become conceited. And I'm not going to think that I've got it all together. I'm not going to think that I'm worthy of anything more than insults and persecution and hardships and difficulties. And he said, it is when I am weak that Jesus makes me strong. And when I admit my weaknesses, Jesus comes along and he strengthens me. That I don't have to uh, uh, settle for um, just my own strength and my own power. But it is the power of Jesus that makes me strong. And Paul says, I am weak. And this thorn in the flesh, again, scholars are divided on, on what it may mean. You know, what was this thorn in the flesh that he was suffering from, this messenger of Satan that was tormenting him? Something that may have been a physical malady. Uh, could have been something like epilepsy or, or really bad eyesight or maybe a hunched back from all the beatings he endured. Some kind of physical ailment may have been what Paul was suffering from. Or it could have been an emotional issue. Uh, something like a depression or something like a... Um, uh, like, like a depression, uh, some kind of emotional uh, torment that he was experiencing. Maybe it was heartbreak over his own people rejecting Jesus. Or it could have been spiritual. Some scholars think that it may have been a struggle with sin or a struggle with temptation. And Paul said, I have this, this, this struggle with temptation, this struggle with sin that just won't leave me alone. And I pleaded with the Lord three times to take it away. I pleaded with Jesus three times, Lord, take this, this tormenting uh, thorn in the flesh away. And Jesus told him no three times. Three times Jesus said, nope. My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. That in your weaknesses, I will prove my strength. In your weaknesses, I will show my grace. In your weaknesses, I will show my power. Let's face it. When God says no, it's really hard. How many of you have ever prayed for someone? And you prayed over and over and over again. And you prayed maybe for physical healing. The healing never came. Or maybe you prayed for a relationship, a relationship that was falling apart or a relationship that fell apart. You just wanted it to be fixed. And they wouldn't budge. And they wouldn't bend. And it felt like God was saying no. Or maybe you prayed for a financial situation, a financial blessing to come through because things were falling apart and things were really getting tight and you didn't know how you were going to make ends meet. And, and, and it just didn't come through. Or you prayed for a job and you prayed for a job and you prayed for a job and the job never appeared. And it felt like God was saying no. And it's like, why can't you just say yes? Why is the answer no? Or why is the answer not yet? Because we get impatient too. It's not just God saying no. Sometimes it's, it's the impatience of God saying not yet. Why can't I have it right now? And we're like little children. Why can't I have it now? Because you've got to eat your broccoli first. Why do I have to eat my broccoli first? Broccoli's good for you. And so maybe, maybe you, you gave up on God. Maybe you gave up on faith. Or maybe you gave up on prayer. You say, I'm not going to pray anymore. And obviously God doesn't like me or God doesn't love me. But I'm here to tell you, God didn't say no. 
God didn't say no because he doesn't like you. And God didn't say no because he doesn't love you. God said no because he knows what is best. And man, that is hard. That is hard to accept. That is hard to believe. That is hard to know. Does God really know best? And the answer is yes. Yes, he does. He knows what is best because he sees the big picture. He sees the whole plan. And though you may be brokenhearted today thinking, why can't I have it now? Or why can't I have it at all? Why is the answer no? Or why is the answer not yet? You've got to trust in his grace. Because just as he told Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, his grace is sufficient for you. That in your weaknesses, in weakness of faith, in weakness of doubt, in weakness of pain, in weakness of heartache, in weakness of broken hearts, that God's grace is sufficient for you. The grace of God can get you through it. And the amazing grace of Jesus can give you the strength that you need to keep going. Because it's real easy to throw in the towel. It's real easy to say, I'm done. Like Mark Cuban on Shark Tank, I'm out. A couple of Shark Tank fans. It's easy to stop going. It's easy to throw in the towel and, and to say, I quit. But the amazing grace of Jesus can give you the strength you need to keep going going the amazing grace of jesus can give you the strength you need to believe again because maybe you gave up on faith and maybe you said you know what i can't do this anymore and so you quit going to church maybe today's your first time back in a while and you're like i don't know man i don't know if i can do this again i don't know if i can believe again i don't know if i'm if i can handle that whether it's pain or heartache or disappointment I don't know that I can handle that. I'm here to tell you the grace of God, the grace of Jesus, can give you the strength that you need to believe again. His grace is sufficient for you, for his power is made perfect in weakness. And even in the weakness of, of doubt and weakness of, of fear and the weakness of, of faithlessness, God can give you the strength, that God's grace can give you the strength to believe again. And I believe that the amazing grace of Jesus can give you the strength you need to pray again. Because maybe you gave up on prayer. You said, I just can't do it. I haven't prayed in a year. Or I haven't prayed in two years. Or I haven't prayed in five years. I haven't prayed in ten years. Or maybe you say, I've never prayed at all. The amazing grace of Jesus can give you the strength you need to pray again. To go to God in prayer. And say, Lord... I'm sorry and I need you again I need your strength and I need your grace because I can't do it without you and I can't make it without you and in my weaknesses I need you to be strong for me and that's what Jesus does is that by his grace he makes you strong by his grace he gives you power and even if you feel weak and even if you feel like a failure, and even if you feel like you've messed up so much and messed up too much, for Jesus to ever love you, or Jesus to ever forgive you, or Jesus to ever welcome you into his family, that's not true. That the grace of God is bigger than your biggest failure. The grace of God is bigger than your biggest fault. The grace of God is bigger than your biggest struggle. The, the, the grace of God is bigger than your biggest fear or doubt. 
the grace of God can give you the strength that you need to keep going and to believe again and to pray again. So don't give up. And don't be afraid to admit your weakness. Don't be afraid to admit your weaknesses. Say, Lord, give me grace. And when you put your faith and trust in Jesus by believing in him and turning away from sin and confessing your faith and getting baptized like we had three people do this week, when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, he gives you that grace. And it'll change your life forever. You know, it's true. The little song we sang earlier. Yes, Jesus loves us. And the Bible tells us so. Little ones like us, to him belong. And when we are weak, he is strong.